What's up, church family? Good morning. Hey, Merry Christmas. I know that it is 70-something degrees and muggy outside. It doesn't help at all. I got people over here like, woo-woo, and then me wanting to throw hammers into glass. Listen, it drives me nuts. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm, I'm a born and raised Floridian, and I question all the time, God, why did you do that to me? I don't get it. I was not designed for this state. I'd like, take me to the heartland, everybody. I just want to be out in the Midwest somewhere with rolling hills and four real seasons and giant whitetails. Come on, somebody. That's, that's what I'm talking about. So I just do my best to get out there every fall, you know what I'm saying, for at least a handful of days. Hey, good morning. It's really good to see you. Honestly, if you're a guest and never been with us before, I, re- I just want to take the time to give you an extra welcome. It's really awesome to have you. Thanks for being brave enough to walk in uh, to an atmosphere you might not know what to expect, but I promise uh, everybody around you is just like you. They're very normal, okay? They're just real people, everyday people, but we welcome you uh, to our church. We just happen to be very passionate about Jesus here, um, and so that's just us, right? So, so welcome. Would you give it up, church family, for every guest that's announced, whether you're on vacation or kicking the tires about the church. Good to have you. I also want to welcome everybody that tunes in online. It's just amazing. It, it honestly amazes me the amount of people that connect to our church through, uh, through media, through the technology that's now obviously around us everywhere, but just wherever you're watching from in, in other states, counties, and even countries, we just say, what's up and welcome. It's really, really an honor to be able to host you even from a distance. So we welcome everybody there uh, online. Give it up for them. I'm going to ask you to clap a couple of times. Love you guys. And then today's shout out, everybody. I just want to shout out our incredible deaf community that sits right over here down in the front. This, yeah, these, these people are unbelievable and amazing. We have these incredible uh, interpreters that help us to communicate the gospel to them. And so I would love to just say that you guys are wonderful and we love you deeply. Uh, give it up one more time for them if you would. And then also, just for you, yeah, there you go. I see people doing this. That's how we applaud in sign language. Well done. Um, and then I, just for you to know, like if, if you know anybody uh, that, that is deaf and it's like, well, man, they need a community or they need a connection, like our church has the ability to offer that to them uh, because of the incredible people that are gifted, uh, talented, and willing to serve and help us communicate the gospel. So just know that. It's, it's just something that's available, so we just appreciate it. All right, well, yeah, one more time. All these, I love it. We'll just, we'll cheer. We'll cheer. All right. Well, listen, we're going to start a brand new message series today. It's December. Again, I know it doesn't feel like it, but it is. And we're going to to start a brand new message series today, and we're calling it Gifts for the King. How many of you guys know that in the story of the Bible, there was these wise men, and the Bible says that they saw a star, and they made this long trek to go find Jesus, the prophesied Messiah. And the Bible tells us that when they came, they brought to him gifts. We're gonna start right there. Matthew chapter two, verses 10 through 11 says this, that when they, being those wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And I want you to notice that they fell down and worshiped him. And then the Bible says that they opened their treasures and they, and they offered him gifts. And here's what they gave him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And over the course of the next uh, four weeks, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about these gifts that these wise men brought to the king, Jesus. We're going to look inside ourselves and determine how can we bring those exact same gifts to that exact same king, 
today because what they brought, we can bring ourselves. Amen, everybody? And so let me, before we get into today's message, I just want to tell you where we're going. Is that fair? I'm going to tell you where we're going, okay? So here's where we'll, where we'll be next Sunday morning. So if you come next week, and I hope you do, next week we're going to be talking about gold, all right? And this is the gift for the everlasting king. Now, in our church, we always do this particular uh, thing on this particular Sunday, which is going to be next Sunday. We collect what we call the impact offering. And here's what we do with the impact offering. We just go make an impact in people's hearts and in people's lives. And here's what I want you to hear me say, okay? Because as soon as the preacher starts talking about money, people get uncomfortable, don't they? All right? And here's what you say. You say, oh, my gosh, all they want is your money. And I disagree. I suggest that all you want is your money. God, (laughs) amen. I just, I just, all right? <laughs> God doesn't need it. I, I, he's good. He's good. If you ever read the biblical description of heaven, he's good to go. He is not in need of your money. What he wants is our hearts. And the Bible indicates that what we do with our resources points to the condition of our heart. And so at Church on the Rock, our heart is to be impactful. We like to make a difference. And so we've just chosen as a church that on a particular Sunday, everything we collect, like everything we collect, we just give it all away, all of it. We just go and we bless people and we make a difference. And I'm just, so that you can know, like, well, what kind of things do you do? I'm just gonna give you uh, an indication of some of the things that you do as a church and maybe you don't even know that you do. Okay, for example, for example, um, here recently in this season, uh, Church on the Rock was able to feed uh, 70 different students and faculty here at St. Augustine High School. This is a program that focuses on people that are struggling with a lot of life's challenges. Uh, The teachers and the faculty that support these students, they focus on serving students that are struggling maybe with suicidal thoughts, tendencies, and even actions. They, they serve people, uh, students that are having substance abuse issues like alcoholism as a student or drug abuse as a student. And so their responsibility is just to serve and help those students find help, support, and freedom. And we just get to participate in things like that. Hey, we meet here at St. Augustine High School. So we're like, what needs do you have? And they're like, wow, it'd be a pretty big deal if you could just feed these 70 people. And we were like, we got your back because of the generous members of our church. And we were able to just feed that need in our community. I just think that's awesome. Oh, we also participated, you participated, by the way, um, in supporting 41 different families. We assisted uh, through, some, um, through some food care that uh, are in the foster care system. And so we, we just, through, through a business that's a part of our church. They just said, hey, we kind of have this need. Would you be willing to partner? If you, would, if you were to donate this amount of resources, it would serve 41 families in our community that are supporting foster families, foster kids, and Church on the Rock, you were able to participate in that. Way to go. Uh, we also adopted 75 homeless students. You heard that right. Homeless students. Just put your mind around that for a moment through an organization in our community, and we adopted 75 of those students to assist them in getting some warm weather clothing. I know they don't need it today, but every three and a half years it gets cold here, and we like to help them have the right amount of layers for that moment, and so truly it is a real need that these students are in school without consistent home life, and they're just trying to get their diplomas, they're trying to move on to college opportunities, and little things like that make a huge difference. 75 of them are better supported because of your generosity, so thank you for doing that. Uh, Amen. And then this is a pretty cool and unique thing. I don't know if you know this, but so we meet, this is St. Augustine High School, all right? You drove here, right? So this is, this is what, you, you guys know how, any Ohio State fans in the room, let me give you a second. Any of you? 
Yep, yep, yep. Yep. I'm going to show you a little bit of love because you're in the Midwest, all right? And I love that place, all right? There's this thing. There's this thing about, about Ohio State University that anybody that loves Ohio State or attended Ohio State, they like to say, the Ohio State University. Y'all ever heard that? The. All right. So <laughs> that came from a Nebraska fan, just saying. Um, and so St. Augustine High School has that same sort of like little pride because this is not St. Augustine High School. This is the high school. And if you ask anybody that attended here or that goes here, right, come on, right? It's not just another one of the high schools. It's, it's the High school, am I right? Okay, all right, yeah. Anybody, anybody graduate from here that's in, that's in the room? All right, they are super quiet. They're all introverted, <laughs> but they're proud enough to be like me. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, this past Friday night, the San Augustine High School Yellow Jacket football team, yeah, I guess you know, uh, they won convincingly in advance to the state championship game in Tallahassee this coming week, which is a big deal. It's really cool, and it's only happened a handful of times uh, here at San Augustine High School. And so one of the former players, alum, and graduate is the head coach. Uh, I had the privilege to play with him here, actually. Uh, we were sort of teammates. He played at a higher level than I did. But anyway, he's the head coach, and several of their coaching staff are friends of mine, former teammates, and all that kind of stuff. And so they are going off to play in the state championship game in Tallahassee. That's a very, very expensive thing. So they've created like a fundraiser uh, looking for booster support to get the team there, hotels, buses, food, et cetera, et cetera. And I just want you to know this, that we're going to participate and close that financial gap. We're giving the San Augustine High School boosters this week. We're going to help those boys go win the state championship, everybody. All right? Because, just because we meet here, and this is a cool moment, we just decided, let's do it. They have a need, and this is kind of our house. Let's participate with them. So um, I sort of barged in. They do, so right down the hall on Sunday mornings really early, they, they watch, all the coaches watch film. So they break down film to get prepared for practice and et cetera and all that stuff. And I know that. And because a couple of them are my friends, I just sort of like barged in there this morning. And I'm like, well, it's okay, congratulations. And I'm hugging and we're high-fiving. And then one of the coaches, a good friend of mine, he was like, bro, will you pray for us? And I'm like, please let me pray for you. So I got to pray over the coaching staff this morning before church even began, which is really cool. And then I was invited. And here, here's, here, listen, when we give at Church on the Rock, we give in Jesus' name. So I want you to know something. Like if we can't attach the gospel to our giving, we do not do it. We choose another place to give to. So just know that. And so we're going to close the gap on the boosters a little bit, help them get to the state game so they can go win the state game, come home, we can celebrate with them. But I was invited to uh, address the team on Tuesday. And so I'm gonna, I'm, I get to pray over the entire team and just hang out with them a little bit. And so just know that I'm going to present the gospel. Amen. Amen. All right. And listen, listen, that, that's just a glimpse. That's a glimpse of the stuff that we're doing all the time as a church. All the time we are doing things just like that. Here's what the impact offering does. It accelerates those opportunities. I like to say it this way, we get to say yes. So what we do is we just have these resources and they're there. And when we hear need, we get to say, well, yes, we can do that for you. And we will go and we will bless and we will make a difference. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is accelerated because of people's generosity like 
yours. And so know this, that next Sunday when you come back, there's not going to be some ploy or weird thing. Um, We're just saying, get before the Lord, ask God what you might give, okay? And then he'll tell you, and that's it, okay? There's going to be no pressure. I I think the Bible is kind of against that whole thing, Uh, but we're just going to pray over that gift and everything that we give next Sunday, we're giving away, everything. So just be prepared. That's all, that's it. Like if that felt pressure filled, I don't know what to tell you, that's as bad as it gets for you, okay? So just seek the Lord. We are not the Holy Spirit. He is, and let him speak into your life if you want to give into that impact offering. Sound good? So when we talk about gold, we're going to talk about giving, and we're going to make a difference next Sunday. On December 17th, we're going to talk about frankincense. This is the gift for the wonderful counselor, and we're going to talk about what that actually means, like how how can I give that gift in my own life? And then on Christmas Eve, we're going to finish it very uniquely. I know you've heard this already, but we're going to give the gift of myrrh, and this is the gift for the mighty warrior. And we're going to have two services that day at 9 and 11 a.m. We are going to invite the entire family. So bring your kids. We've got some fun, cool things that we are doing to prepare for your children to be in here. We're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at Jesus, this great and mighty warrior. And we're going to look at what he gave and then what we have the ability to give in return of his gift. Amen, everybody? And so that's where we're headed uh, in this series. And we'd love for you to participate each and every week. But today, we're going to look at a little bit of a different gift. A little bit of a different one. The Bible lists that they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But if we read the text, there's actually another gift that they they brought. But it's Christmas season. How many of you guys have these people in your lives where you're thinking about, like, giving gifts? Maybe some of you are in, like, the family gift exchange. And so even if it's not in your budget, you're on the hook for it. Come on, right? And some of you feel the pressure, like, oh, dear God, I don't know what to do because we don't have the budget like they have and blah, blah. Anybody ever felt, you don't have to raise your hand or whatever, but anybody ever felt like the, the, bl- the financial black sheep of Christmas season where you're like, I can never give what others give, right? And that comes with a lot of pressure. How many of you guys have that person in your family where you're like, what can I get them? They have everything, and they have enough money to buy themselves anything they want. And anything I do get them is going to be like a stupid knickknack that they're going to throw away in three days because they didn't need it to begin with, but it was all I could give. You ever feel like that? I know that I I do. I particularly feel that way because of the amount of generosity that's been shown toward me, toward my family and our people. There's like, it is, it is overwhelming, quite frankly, the way that people just love on us and bless us. And I always feel really bad when it's like, oh my gosh, you got me a Mercedes, which has never happened. <laughs> I wouldn't really want that anyway, but like, oh, that's amazing. And then you're like, I have a $25 Amazon gift card for you in return. Merry Christmas. You know what I'm saying? All right. It doesn't feel good, and it's difficult, and it's stressful. But there's this, there's this truth. There's this real truth that's like, when it comes to giving to the king, like the king of kings, the lord of lords, for me, it feels just like that. Like, what could I ever offer you, particularly with all you've offered me and you happen to be like, God, I don't really know what to do for you, right? It's a, di- it's a difficult thing. And the question that I ask is like, what could I offer this king? In Isaiah 64, verse 6, it doesn't help us at all because it says this, that we all, I just noticed this, that we all become like one who is unclean. And I, w- I want you to notice what the Bible says, that our righteous deeds are like polluted garments, filthy rags. The Bible is not making us feel much better. They're like, your best isn't enough. You don't have enough. You can't give the great gift is essentially what the Bible's saying, that we all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind, they take us away. 
And that scripture is just a constant reminder to me that it's like, Josh, in your very best effort, on your best day, in your best moment, with the most you have to offer, yet ain't enough. And I'm like, well, I've been there before. I feel like that. I feel that, that every Christmas season. Like, I, I, I know it's like it's a gesture. It's the thought that counts. I need you to believe that right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I feel like that in my relationship with God all the time. I feel like that. Of all that I've been given, like, what really can I offer? But there's actually something that he wants, and there's actually something that we can give. Here, here's, let's go back to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read verses 10 and 11 again because I want you to see it. The Bible says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So they, again, are being the wise men. And if you remember when we started worship this morning, Jeremy said there's this anticipation of this prophesied king and this light, this star was, was a pointer that, like, he's here and he's coming. And so there was this great anticipation that they had been waiting on. And we obviously have that same anticipation that the king is going to return for us. Amen, everybody? And so going to the house, the Bible says, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they fell down. And I just want you to notice, here's that fourth gift that if we didn't see it, if we didn't point to it, if we didn't draw it out, maybe we'd miss it. The Bible says that they fell down and they worshiped him. And then they opened up their treasure chest and they gave gold and frankincense and myrrh. But what I want you to recognize is that the thing they offered Jesus first was worship. The first thing was a response from their heart, not their wallets. It always starts in the heart, everybody. Everything that God's about is about our hearts. In fact, the Bible tells us that man looks at the outward appearance, and we do, right? Let's be honest, we all look at the outward appearance. It matters. I mean, if someone pulls into a gated community in a really nice car, that, that tends to tell us we have a belief about them. If, if somebody's walking down the road with a, with a grocery cart full of things, that, that gives us a belief about them, Right? Depending on what people do for a living or how they dress or whatever, we look at outward appearances all the time. And then one of the greatest dangers inside the family of faith is that whole self-righteous thing is where we think, well, we got it all together and I did this and didn't do that, but they do that and they don't do that and blah, blah, blah. And then we'll score each other. And if we're not careful, we'll make it about this outward appearance thing. We'll make it about what's going on on the outside. And the Bible says that that's what man looks at, but God looks at our, at our hearts. It always starts in the heart. Everything that God asks of us is in response to get our heart right. We'll talk more about that next week. But I actually want to talk this morning about, about worship. Because not only is worship something that we can offer God, it's actually something God wants from us. Which is really, really a bonus. So on one side, the Bible is like, yeah, you're best. It's like dirty rags, so good luck. But then on the other side, the Bible actually says that God longs for our worship. He desires it. So it's really nice. Have you ever given a gift and you felt like you knew it's what somebody really wanted? You know what I'm talking about? And, and like the joy of being like, I got what I know you want. And then you see the excitement in someone's face and you're just like, mm, yeah. like it feels really, really good. Am I right? Come on, right? Maybe it's your kid or it's your spouse or a good friend or, or whatever, and, and it's, it's not the cost of it. It's just the significance of it, maybe. But there's a gift that the Father is longing for from his people. In John chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says this, Jesus himself, but the time is coming and indeed is here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and I want you to notice, 
that the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Like the Father God is like, yeah, that's a good idea. That'd be a great gift. I would love for you to bring your worship to me. I would love for you to pour your worship out on me. This would be the right gift, the right measure, the right thing fit for a king. It's a beautiful thing. And thank God there's something that we can't offer, right? Otherwise, I would feel really, really hopeless. That like, oh man, my best effort is like a dirty rag. And if that's it, well, that's not helping me much. But the idea that God himself says, I'm looking for people who will worship me and worship me with a pure heart. Worship me with all that they are. Worship is a bigger thing than song. If you were to ask, I bet if I did an interview and I just pulled like 10 people, I just said, hey, number one, number two, number three, and I asked each individual one, like, what is worship? You tell me what worship is. I would guess, okay, I have not done the study, so I don't know. I would guess that most people would immediately start talking about music. And they, and they would talk about, well, at church, we gather together on Sundays, and then we worship together. We have worship services, and we sing songs, right? And there's a lot of people that would be like, well, that, that's what I would call it, right? Again, listen, I want you to know that's right. That's correct. Good job. But it's, it is bigger than that. Worship is much bigger than just song. It's far greater and grander than that. Again, it's not, it's not that God wants good many concerts on Sundays. He's not necessarily looking for that. Because it could be really pitiful and sound not great, and he still love it. You, you remember when your kids were real little, and they would draw a picture of you, and it was just blue and squiggly, and you're not really sure where you are, but they said that's you. And you're just like, that is beautiful. You are so gifted. You're like, honey, call the doctor. All right, I'm just kidding. You didn't say that. You put it on the refrigerator. You're so proud. Okay, okay. So regardless of the skill or the sound, in fact, one of uh, our serve team members uh, and I, we were joking this morning because we were talking about worship in one of our huddles together. So our team, we kind of huddle and talk about the day and et cetera. And we talked about worship. And he came up and he was like, man, I know that we're called to worship, but bro, like you don't want to hear me. And I said, listen, same, okay? Like God gave me a gift to communicate, but not saying, I promise you. Like not even at karaoke. I, like, it just, no, uh, anyway, you don't want that. And I said, I'm just so glad that the Bible says that we should make a joyful noise to the Lord. Because when I do it, that's what he gets. I'm the squiggly blue line, like, I love you. And he's like, oh, you're, you're so special. And he puts it on the refrigerator, right? Whereas others of you, it's like four, tear turn, four, four chair turns at the voice. Like, it sounds amazing. You're just shredded or you can play, whatever. It is a thing. Music is a thing. But it's really, it's bigger than that. Worship is, is like... How we, how we act and how we think and how we respond, it's, it's more holistic than that. I, I would suggest that the, there's three things. This, listen, this is my definition, so you could disagree and still probably be right, okay? So just, this is just my definition of what worship is holistically. I believe that, that what we worship, it gets our pursuit, it gets our affection, and it gets our focus, this is challenging. So if you were to ask yourself, what gets my pursuit? What gets my affection? What gets my, like my best and my focus? What, what is that? And if you were to start answering that question, I believe this would challenge 100% of the people in the room. I just believe that, okay? 
I, I believe that if we were to question ourselves like daily, what's getting my, my first and my best today? I just know for myself that when I do this, I'm like, eh, every time, every time. And I know you guys are like, yeah, but you're the pastor. Like I know, but I would, if I'm going to disappoint you, can I just get it out of the way? I am just a real human being. Like I'm a normal guy. Does that make sense? Like a real human. And I have guy thoughts and guy reactions and I, you know what I mean? Like I want to be callous and rough and that thing. But I, like I mess it up sometimes and, and I really get it wrong sometimes. And even though God has called me to be a pastor and I have to respond to my calling in the same way that God is going to call you and you have to respond to that calling, it does still remain that I battle myself every day. Every day. Because I can be very selfish. I can get like, upset at you because you don't drive as good as I do, and that can tick me off. I can be impatient. Sometimes I can get very distracted. And sometimes, even though I'm the pastor, I can really get my affection, my pursuit, and my focus off on the wrong things. Can I, can I give you a little bit of an example, okay? Um, it is no secret that I love to deer hunt. I mean, it's, it's just no secret. It is what it is. Like, it's my, it's my sport, all right? It's my hobby. It's what I do. And I'm really, really serious about it. Like, I'm too serious about it, probably, because I'm a competitor. And so I like to win. <laughs> I remember when coaches, because I was a sports kid, and I remember when coaches were like, it's not about winning or losing. It's about having fun. And I'm like, you're an idiot, okay? <laughs> winning is fun. Losing is not fun. Winning is, okay, that's me. All right. <clears throat> I said that quietly and respectfully, and then I prayed about it, okay? I like to win, man, and I like to, I like to achieve. I like to earn. I really do. And I like, to, like, I like to beat me. My favorite competitor is me. And so if I did one thing once, I, I, like, I want to do it bigger, better, more, et cetera. It's just, it, it, and when I get into a deer hunting mode, I can get into a different place. And my wife would be like, yup, it's true, because it can affect everything, okay? And so just a few weeks ago, uh, I was off in the amazing Midwest. I was in the, the Hoosier State, the great state of Indiana. I was in the Ohio River Valley, and I was chasing after some whitetail with a good friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine, and some other people that are now becoming friends because of them, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and listen, I'm not going to get lost in it, because it, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to get to the point. But for me, for me, there, there, there were so many sort of surreal, amazing realities for me in this trip that I found myself the entire time just in this constant attitude of like, God, you're so good to me. I mean, everything, it's silly. It's like the truck that I was in and the, some of the accessories on the truck were like God's goodness to me. And then the fact that like I got these friends and they invited me here. And, and then like, then their family just opened up their home and just like gave me a place to sleep. And they felt like they just, they treated me really too good and all this stuff. And, and then all the, you know, these moments and just being off in the woods. And like, I got to hunt for day after day after day after day in the heartland of America, the greatest place, in my opinion, to chase whitetail. I was just there every single day and it was cold. It felt like fall. Okay. I'm just, let me get off my soapbox now. And I'm just like the whole time, I'm just like, God, why wasn't I born here? Lord Jesus, let's talk about this. I love it here. I love everything about this. This is fantastic and phenomenal. And I found myself just sort of consistently overwhelmed that like the truth is I don't deserve any of this. What I deserve is hell for my sin. 
and what I've been given is not only salvation, not only a place in the family of God, but like all this too, it felt pretty amazing. In the midst of all that, lost in the pursuit. So like I, I, I hunt as hard or harder than I work. I go after it. And I'm 100% all in. And there was a particular day, and, and uh, Je- Jeremiah, my good friend who's there with me, and part of our church, um, we were feeling the pressure. And if you're a hunter, you get it. Like, days are running out. We got to close the distance. And like the hunting pressure started to get on top of both of us. And so there was a particular sit uh, in, in the woods where uh, I was a little frustrated. And uh, I just decided to pray. And I was like, all right, God, here's, here, here it is. I've already been given way more than I can ask for. The fact that I'm even here is a gift. And I kind of go on this tangent a bit of like, I don't even deserve this. So for me to have a fr- like an ounce of frustration feels a little selfish and yeah. And so I said, all right, God, I just, I just surrender this to you. I just, it's all yours. If I leave Indiana and eat a tag, which means I wasn't successful, whatever. There's something you're going to teach me. There's something you need me to see. So, God, I just, I give it to you. I'm, it's yours. And I just let go of the reins and the control because I had recognized that my focus, my pursuit, my effect, it was all just, it, had, it, had, it went from like, this is a surreal, amazing, God, you're so good, into this competitive-driven focus, and it changed me on the inside. Pressure. And so as I left the, the uh, stand that day, I'm in my truck. I'm a southern boy. My, like, our trucks are, are important, and I love my truck. And I just decided, look, I'm going to put on a worship song that's really moving my heart right now. I'm just going like, to worship. And so, boom, I just put it on. I turn it up you know, pretty high I'm by myself, and I'm just, just driving. And listen, I just had to pull over. I had to pull over and just sit on the side of the road because tears, and I know that doesn't surprise anybody that goes here. <laughs> I cry, like, I cry at Disney commercials. You know what I'm saying? You show me a kitten, I'm like, oh, right, like just that whole thing. But I just had to pull over because tears began to fill my eyes. And here, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Is that because I had recognized the shift in my heart, I had to stir my affection toward the Lord. Does that make sense? I had to stir it up. I had to say, you know what? I think God's totally cool with me chasing deer. I just do. I think he's all about it, honestly. I think he's a part of it with me. But, but like, you shall have no other gods before me. So if that's becoming your God, then that's, that's the issue. It's not the deer. It's that it can't be first. And so, anyway, I feel like I'm taking too long here, but maybe someone needs it. And so at that moment, I had to just say, you know what? I noticed that my heart shifted so I'm just going to let go. I need to get out of this pressure. I need to just give it to you. And I was intentional. I'm going to put on my favorite song that I like right now, that's moving my heart right now. It's for me. And it re-stirred my affection toward the Lord. Okay. So knowing that worship is bigger than music, I want to narrow it as we close to music. Because it is music is a major, major part of worship. In fact, you can't escape it. You can't get away from it. If you just read the Bible, it is, page, it is cover to cover and it is dressed throughout. And the truth is that people love music. 
I've never met one human in my whole life that's like, I just don't like music. And I'm like, what, like, like country music or like hip hop? Like, what do you not like? Everybody likes music, right? And even if you're not like a big music nut, like you don't have albums and you don't go to concerts, like you like music because your favorite movie would be weird without the soundtrack. You know what I'm saying? And like certain moments would be less significant without music attached to them. Let me just give you a couple of examples from my own life. Like I used to be a football player, okay, and loved football. And I liked, I loved contact. I wanted, I wanted to hit you in your mouth, okay, helmet to helmet. It was not only acceptable but encouraged in my day, and I just aged myself a little bit. But you want to get me pumped up for the game, put on some Thunderstruck. I'm like, let's go. Come on. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You just play a little Thunderstruck in the locker room for me. I'm ready to hand out tattoos and I got no ink. Let's get it on, okay? Music has a way of moving us. All right, if you, if you take me to a wedding, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm not much of a dancer. It's not a big deal to me, okay? I, I, I'm, first of all, I'm white. Let's just start there. Even though I got a little rhythm, okay? I can move a little bit. I'm just not particularly a dancer. But the minute that Cupid Shuffle comes on, Pastor Josh gonna be on the dance floor, all right? I'm just, I'm just telling you, I can, do, I, can, I can cha-cha real smooth. Like, I... I will be out there. If you play some songs that tell me what to do, I will dance with you, okay? I will. Because music, it moves us. Even for a guy that's not really a dancer, the minute you say to the right, to the right, I'm like, I can do those. I know those dances. Music moves us. Listen, when your girlfriend breaks up with you, you probably need some George Strait. That's probably what you need. It's the best thing for you, okay? Music matters. So recently, uh, this was actually in October, her worship director, Jeremy, who was, who was right there playing this morning, uh, he led one of our prayer services. And in our prayer services, we always have a teaching every time. And that teaching is sort of to narrow our prayer focus for the day. And him being the worship just kind of like guru that he is, he talked about music. And he specifically talked about how music points to God. And he didn't say Christian music. He just said all like music. It points back to God. For example, he, he said some things like this. He said that in music, and some of you are like musicians and musical, so you'll get it. And if I say the wrong thing, I'm just trying to regurgitate something that I'm not an expert on. He is. But he said, in music, there are 12 keys. And he talked about how those, those 12 keys, like how cool it is that like biblically, there's 12 tribes of Judah. There's 12 months in a year. There were 12 disciples. And he started to align just music any kind of music, and how it really starts to point back to God. He talked about how there are scales in music, and there are, every scale has, there's seven notes, I guess, within scales. Forgive me if I'm messing this up just a little bit. And then he was like, man, there's seven days in a week. There's seven colors in the spectrum. There were the seven days of creation. Seven represents perfection and completeness. And he just, music points to the Father. And he just kind of had this thing where he just kept going back, like it all just points back to him. It all just points back to him. And he talked about how God ordered music to just, like it, it, uh, it points to him even if we're not trying to point it to him. We can't help it. If we play it, it points back to him. He said that there is uh, something called a triad, and, and a triad has three chords, all right? And then he said there are three persons in the Trinity. Jonah spent three nights in the belly of the fish, Jesus in the tomb for three days. And he began, to, he began to talk about how it just points to him. Even when we're not trying to, it, just, it is pointing to him. But then he got into this one thing. That, 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 I, like, listen, I, I don't know music. 
I like it, but like when people start to nerd out on stuff and they teach it, I, I dig that. Like I'm into like, oh, that's so, like I didn't know. That's so cool. And he begins to talk about how in music, everything pulls back to the one. And he talked about that. So it's like, you, you can't help it, but you, you do the, and again, please forgive the ignorance because uh, again, I'm not a musician, but the keys and the scales, those notes, the triads, the chords, as it is masterfully assembled and linked together, it will always pull back to the one. And he worked from 12 to seven to three to one. In fact, I thought his teaching was so profound that rather than me try to regurgitate it, I just, will you just watch about three minutes of it? I want you to see Jeremy, our worship director, teach us how music always points and pulls back to the one. Check, check this out. Thank you. 
Wasn't that good? Wasn't that good? Yeah. I, I love that. I, it, it just, everything pulls back to the one. And so here, here's the point of today, okay? Because we're closing right now. But we're just going to close the message. And what we're about to do is we're about to step into an opportunity for us to give the gift of worship to our king. Because here's the thing I like about music particularly. Even though worship is so much bigger than a song, there's something powerful about music and what it can do for us. It, it moves us. It sets a tone. Thunderstruck before a football game. Ch- you know, cha-cha slide at the wedding. Whatever it is. George straight after the breakup. Like it, it, it does something inside of us. But what I want us to do is recognize that song can help us with our pursuit, our affection, and our focus. It, it, can, it can drive that. And in the, in the same way, I didn't know, he, God does this every year to me. I didn't know that in that, in that hunting moment, when I said, I gotta get, I gotta, the heart has got to align right, something, it's off. So, so I'm, I'm just, my, my natural thought was like, I'm just going to play my favorite song right now. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to get my attention and my focus back on him. And what it did was it stirred up my affection for him. So, you know, the tears and the knot and the, but like, I could feel the presence of God in my truck. after He was there. And he was there the whole time. The problem was my heart, the way life can do, even with good things. Ah, it's just the enemy's always after it, man. He's looking for someone to steal, kill, and, kill and destroy. And so some of you in our church, maybe, you're new, maybe you didn't grow up around church, whatever, and like you didn't even know. Like you just thought that at some point, a long time ago, there was a creative meeting, and we were thought, well, how should Sundays look? And it was like, well, let's do like a mini concert. Yeah, that's a good idea. Somebody call Jeremy. That'd be great. Like, like... It's bigger than song. What we're trying to do is put our attention and our focus on the Father, stir up the affection for him once again in our hearts. And because music is so intricately a part of who we are, the creation and the being, because of that, we use music as a gift of worship to the Father. That You know what? I don't have anything. This is the one thing you put on your list is that you're looking for worshipers that will worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Father, I don't have a lot. And I know you've given me so much more than I'm able to give you, but I will lift my hands, my voice. I will put my attention on you. I will stir the affection for you once again in my own heart. Psalm 95, verse 6, a few verses, and we're going to land this plane right here. Just a couple of verses from Scripture. The Bible says, come, let us worship and bow down and kneel before the Lord, our maker. And sometimes our posture is indicative of what's going on on the inside of us. Sometimes the, the kneeling is saying, I just bow before you. Sometimes it's an act of surrender. In every place of worship, 1 Timothy says, I want men to pray with hands lifted up 
to God. And you may see people doing this just as an act of saying, I'm reaching for you. Oftentimes it is a surrendered thing that I am yours. You can have everything. Sometimes it's a posture. It's like a funnel. Like just pour your spirit down into this vessel and this place. Those, those kind of postures are, are, are pulling from God. Like I'm just, I'm just offering you all I got. This is like, this is it type of a thing. Psalm 96, 1 and 2, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. What do you think we ought to do? Sing, man. Just sing. Sing. And thank God the Bible says make a joyful noise, right? Just let, man, it's okay. Now, to be honest with you, it's part of the reason we keep the volume a little high in here. I, I just want you to be able to sing and the person in front of you not be like, dear Lord, right? Just, man, sing it. <laughs> Try to think of us all, best we can, best we can. So, so here it is. Would you stand this morning as, as we close? Final verse of the day. It'll be on the screen, but this, check this out. I love it. I love this. Psalm 22, verse 3. Watch this. You are holy. So listen, he's, because of that, he's worthy. He's worthy. And I want you to notice that the Bible says, enthroned on the praises of Israel. To which some of you are like, yeah, but this is America. Check it out. Israel is the biblical description of like my people. And because of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, the gospel is now available to both the Jew and the Gentile. Let me, let me, let me put that a little bit more understandable to everybody. Like you and me have access to the same thing. Like we have the ability and the right to be his people. So we could read this this way. You are holy, enthroned upon the praises of your people. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to create a throne of praise. We're going to worship the everlasting king in this place this morning. For some of you, this will be the first time it was ever more than a song. It's your worship before the Lord. We're going to use the song to point our attention, to point our focus, and to stir up our affection. Now, before we worship, I'm going to give you an opportunity because maybe you came in here, you're watching online or whatever, and you've never made a decision to step into a personal relationship with Jesus. You have the right and the ability because of the sacrifice of Jesus to accept the free gift of salvation. You could be included in Israel, his people, by simply saying yes to the offer of salvation to you and Jeremy in his video, he read that scripture, John 14, six, I am the way, Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. It pulls to the one. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we have a prayer that we say, and I just wanna invite you to say it with me. Our whole church is gonna say it with you because we want you to be able to say it with boldness and with confidence. Here's our prayer. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I give you my life all of it. Come into my heart. Forgive me my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, congratulations if you said that prayer for the first time this morning. Amen. So here it is. This is your moment. It's Christmas time. We have this great king, and we don't have much But what we have, we can bring to him. We can bring him our worship through song. Let's do that together.